I'm Jennifer Clare, and this is Kitchen Radio. This cooking podcast takes place in a different home kitchen every episode, where we cook up a dish my guest has always wanted to learn. Before I opened up a brick-and-mortar cooking school in New York City, all my teaching took place in my students' kitchens. Now, with a microphone in hand, I'm going back into their homes, so you have a chance to come along with me. Today I'm joining Laurel Brandstetter in her kitchen in Nyack, New York. It's a busy place that is home to her 18-month-old daughter, magician husband, and her global accessories brand, Mari Soul, which she runs from her third floor. Laurel wants to learn how to roast a chicken, despite being squeamish about having to deal with the honesty of a whole raw bird. But it is that good feeling that comes from serving up a well-roasted chicken that inspired her to move past that and embrace the challenge. Listen in. I'm here with Laurel in her house. Uh, So what was it that you wanted to uh, have someone come and teach you how to do? Well, I just feel like I've always heard like every person should know how to roast a chicken or something or like agree with that yeah like (laughs) that's one of the 50 things every human should know or something so that I don't know how to roast one okay I was thrilled that you asked because I feel like this is a pretty good universal yeah technique for people to learn and uh, and it doesn't take very much space or it does take time meaning the chicken has to roast for about an hour but the prep and the finish are pretty short so it's nice it is and I think it's the ultimate comfort food. It makes your house smell amazing. And, you know, if you were to have people over, they'd be very wowed that you roasted them a chicken. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Typically, would you carve it up and serve the whole thing? Or would you then use it for three days for five different things or something? Uh, I would always carve it up only because I don't want to put a whole chicken into the refrigerator. Because yeah. then it, it's like each time I need to use it, I need to like rip it off and it's cold. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I definitely want to portion it out. When I would, I would probably never roast a chicken and not eat some of the chicken that night mm-hmm. because it's so compelling. Like mm-hmm. I just can't imagine not ripping off all the crispy skin because mm-hmm. the next day the skin won't be crispy. Okay. So um, I would definitely portion it off to eat and then I would put the, the parts like the legs or the thighs or the breasts um, you know, in a container in the refrigerator to use for multiple. Okay. Um, so you're a family of three. Mm-hmm. With lots of visitors, so sometimes we're five or six or... So typically a chicken serves four adults. Okay. So in our house, we always... And I have two kids and two adults. So when we roast a chicken, it always feeds us for a meal, and maybe we've got, like, a breast left over. Okay. Um, So it really will depend. You'll figure out, depending on how many people are coming, but you would usually estimate for four adults for a whole chicken. Um, But it's never... It's not worth roasting a chicken... um, and not have leftovers. So if that were the case, I would roast two chickens because it takes the same amount of time to roast two chickens mm-hmm. as it does one. Mm-mm-mm. So you might as well maximize okay, good uh, to know. your time. So we, the chicken, I know when we unwrapped the chicken before we started recording, uh, I wanted to do one piece of prep and that was to take the chicken out of the plastic. Mm-hmm. And uh, do you want to tell us about your reaction? <laughs> <laughs> Since the uh, listeners missed that. <laughs> well, even though I love chicken, it's disgusts me that it's a raw animal in my sink yeah and And it's pretty animal looking like Mm -hmm. this is not a chicken leg or breast that is it looks like it's been freshly feathered yeah and I was very happy to find that there were not giblets inside of this right. one. I know. I told Laurel, I said, if you if you open up a chicken package, you've got to reach in the cavity and pull <laughs> out the bag of giblets. This one was giblet-free. And I know you were very relieved by that. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so it is true. This is, this is a hurdle. Mm-hmm. You know, you are going to have to take a whole chicken out of the packaging and 
I guess my hope for you is the more you do it, the more you'll be, yeah. you know. And like, Less if you're going to eat meat, you should probably know what it really looks like. I agree with that. Cooked. Yeah. So many people opt for the boneless, skinless chicken breast for that reason. Because yeah. it's a way to eat chicken without ever needing to note yeah. that it came from a, a living, yes. full animal. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I applaud that you are willing to go down this route. Because I do know a whole raw chicken is a pretty pretty overt animal. It is, yeah. Right. All right, so to make this as safe as possible, the first part of the chicken, you know, the roasting of the chicken, is probably the hardest part, and that is prepping the chicken, meaning taking it out of its packaging, taking the moisture off, adding lots of seasonings. Once that happens and you put it in the oven, everything else is, mm. is easy. So the hard part is making sure that you're not cross-contaminating contaminating your kitchen and that is there is a fear of salmonella with raw chicken it's so low but you still have to be mindful of it so the first thing that people often get wrong is they wash their chicken in their sink either with other dishes on it but even washing your sink with an washing your chicken in an empty sink mm -hmm. is a bad idea mm -hmm. as well um it just there's the fear that a droplet of water will hit the chicken and then bounce yes. off and you know it only takes a molecule yeah of water to pass along salmonella so no washing in the chicken this is something that most chefs would tell you anyways is that our preheat yep beep yeah um but the i don't know if it was the usda somebody very recently came out with i think it was the usda or the fda with uh basically a a proclamation which said no more washing uh -huh. chicken yeah so it was great that home cooks sort of got that I hope they got the, uh -huh. the message. Um, and there's not like gross factory stuff on it to care about because I don't even care about the salmonella. I just care you about like... You definitely want to care about the salmonella. Chicken poop or something. Okay, well, there's like no that. chicken poop on here. Okay. But you should... Salmonella is the scariest part of this entire thing. Okay. Because that is actually... That can cause death. Okay. And so we definitely don't want that. So it is something to worry about and chicken poop is not something to worry about. Okay. <laughs> it's, it's really just not in the equation here. Okay. So we have a raw chicken and so the only thing that's uncomfortable about this is it's it's wet, it's juicy. It's mm -hmm. like it has all the juices that kind of collected in the package while it was sitting in plastic for however many days or weeks. Mm -hmm. So we want to blot all of that moisture off because the idea is we want to brown this chicken skin. Mm. It's very hard to brown something that's wet. Mm. Um, we also want to season the skin. And if it's wet, things are going to fall off and mm -hmm. slide it. So... Um, if you get us some paper towel, sure, we're going to use that. Now, I usually hate using paper towel because it seems so wasteful. Yeah. However, it is the most efficient way to dry a turkey without contaminating. So you're just so we have a raw chicken in a bowl, mm -hmm. and I'm just going to ask you to blot it. Is this it. the right amount? That's perfect. Okay. That's two, three sheets. Yeah. So you're just going to press it down on there, and don't worry about touching the chicken. You'll always wash your hands. So you're pressing flip it, it over. Yep. Flip it over. You can use the same paper towel. Guess I'll have to. Yeah. Lift her up by her leg there. <laughs> little lady, little chicken lady. Do I have to okay. get under the wings and all that or not so much? Uh, I think you're okay. But actually, okay. I'm going to lift her up too by the legs and I'm going to have you blot out the okay. moisture at the bottom of the bowl because we want to keep her as dry as possible. Okay. Now, I told you I brought... All right, so basically, before I go on, yeah. we both have chickeny mm -hmm. hands because we've been fondling this gal. Mm -hmm. So it's time to turn around. I'm going to go off mic for a second, and we both have to wash our hands with soapy water. Now, this is going to be the last time... Wait, is this the last time we cut the Texas chicken? No. I have to do one more thing, and then that will be the last time. And then I'm going to wash my hands for good. There's no reason to wash my hands if I'm going to touch yeah. this thing again. 
Okay. So over here, I'm bringing to our cutting board a 12 inch skillet. A skillet has straight sides and a saute pan has sloped sides. So this is perfect. A skillet is the perfect shape for roasting a chicken. Um, I am not a fan of the roasting pan for a chicken. You know why mm -hmm. that might be? Two juices going too far away from the animal. Possibly. So a roasting pan is great for a Thanksgiving bird because they're yeah. enormous. Yeah. A chicken is not that big. The oh, reason I, I the re why so you can make a gravy. Yes, afterwards. good. <laughs> so yes, I choose a skillet. I'd rather roast it in something I can easily put in the oven, and then when I take it out of the oven, I've already got all the drippings from the roasted chicken in a pan, uh -huh. and I just put the pan on the stove and make a gravy. It okay. is seamless. What I don't love is trying to scrape up drippings mm -hmm. from a roasting pan, having to put it over two burners. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, That's mm -hmm. more work than it, it needs to be. So we're gonna roast it in a skillet, a twelve-inch mm -hmm. skillet with straight sides. It can be cast iron. Um, it actually can be done in a saute pan too. It doesn't need to be a skillet, mm. but you have this excellent all clad skillet. So the, the, the thing that I brought, this is my favorite tool. This is how I had roasted chicken my whole childhood. Wow. This is a chicken stand. Wow. <laughs> so I think you can also use a beer can. For you that. can use a beer can. <laughs> so this looks like the Eiffel Tower made uh -huh. out of stainless steel. And it's great. It's flat on the sort of wide at the bottom. And then it gets gradually narrow at the top. And you thread the chicken so it's sitting up. That's amazing. So yeah, if you don't have a chicken stand, I don't even know if that's the official term. This uh -huh. was my mother. So I think it is from, wow, I don't know nice how many years ago. That. Yeah. And this is how she roasted a chicken every Friday night of my childhood. Amazing. So if you don't have a chicken stand, mm -hmm. um, you can absolutely use a can of beer or wine bottle. Oh, I wine bottle. Wine I bottle. would not put glass in the tall. oven. Yeah. Yeah. So definitely do something that's aluminum. Uh, but you can basically impale the chicken on it so it's sitting up. And then it just helps all this, the skin from the back and the front and the sides all get nice and crispy. Because otherwise, if it's lying flat on its back... You know, right. got kind of gooey skin. What's that thing called now? This? Chicken stand? We're going to call it a chicken stand. Okay. I bet it's called a chicken roaster. Uh -huh. I think I Googled to see if they're still on the market, which of course, why wouldn't they be? Right. But if you if you Google chicken stand, okay. you're going to find it. <laughs> I bet right. find some. So I haven't washed my hands, so I'm going to pick up this chicken from the bowl, and I'm going to impale it on my chicken stand. Could there be the possibility of confusing which end to shove on there or no? No. Just All right. From legs the down. <laughs> legs down. That's a good yeah, way of describing that. Yes. Yeah. Thank you for helping me. I'm as a teacher, I'm always used to people seeing me teaching yeah. and this podcast thing is new to me. I have to actually describe everything. So the legs are face down and the, you know, the breasts are face up. So it's mm -hmm. like, it looks like it's standing up mm -hmm. on its own. <laughs> it's I a miracle. so much about chicken anatomy just by looking at this. I'm amazed. <laughs> I'm so glad. Yeah. So the nice thing about this chicken stand too, I mean, there's so many great things about it. The second great thing is I never have to touch this chicken again and I can season it perfectly all the way around. It's uh -huh, sitting up uh -huh. and it's going to allow me to get every part of the skin seasoned because I don't know about you, but the skin to me is the best part of the chicken. I used to like strip it bare when I was a kid uh -huh. and I would get in trouble. Mm -hmm. But now I just strip it off the back since there's not really any meat attached to the skin uh -huh. on the back. It's kind of feel like free skin and I'm not uh -huh. stealing it from one of the parts. Uh -huh. All right. All right. Now it's time for us to wash our hands. Okay. All right, so now you may ask, how are we going to season this bird? Mm -hmm. 
you know, without touching it. So here's my answer. What is this? A basting brush. <laughs> yes. We're going to call it a pastry brush for okay. those people at home. It basically is a paintbrush, uh -huh. which if you buy it at a cookware store, it's called a pastry brush, mm -hmm. miraculously. But you can buy them in a paint store. Um, so it's a very, you know, small little paintbrush, and we're going to use the paintbrush to touch the chicken so we don't have to touch the mm -hmm. chicken. So to me, the best, you have to put a fat on the outside first to help crisp up the skin. Um, and my favorite fat for roasting a chicken is butter mm -hmm. because it's just a match made in heaven. Mm -hmm. I have actually done it with extra virgin olive oil, but I actually don't love the flavor of the cooked olive oil mm. and the chicken skin. It doesn't mm. go right. My in my mind, the, the butter and crispy chicken skin, that's, that's the perfect at. way to do it. So we have over there um, on your stove a small saucepan filled with four tablespoons of butter, which probably is more butter than we need to brush this whole bird with. So let's steal. Let's just do right, So would you put that on medium heat just to melt our butter? Now you have to put all your seasonings in the butter. Okay. So when you brush the seasoned butter on your bird, you're totally done. You don't have okay. to then sprinkle salt on it. Then you don't have to then put pepper on it. Okay. So that's why I love the seasoned butter with the pastry brush. Hands-free, no contamination. And you can play with the butter seasoning. So each time you make a roasted chicken, you can taste So what are other flavors you like with your... Uh, I don't really chicken. know. I guess really? the rosemary sounded good. Yeah. I rosemary and garlic would be good? Garlic, yeah. yes. I would like some garlic in my... Okay. Chicken. You world. could do paprika. Today we're doing, I showed you the spice, sumac. Mm -hmm. It's a bright red, um, it's a bright red berry that they grind up so it looks like a dark red sort of rust, mm -hmm. rust dust. Mm. But um, what do you think it smells like? Berries. <laughs> or like, you know. It does actually smell like berries. Like it's sort of, it has a fruitiness. Yeah, it does. But when you taste oh, it, it, see if you like taste a it. Here. Tea or something. Yeah, taste it. Mmm. What do you taste? Salty berries. <laughs> do you taste any sour? Yeah, sour. Yeah, it's sour. It's like a lemony, yeah, fruity lemony. berry, mm -hmm. and it's terrific with chicken. Mm -hmm. Actually, mm -hmm. everything is good with chicken, but sumac is a particularly excellent dried spice with chicken because it has that citrus zest. Yeah, so yeah. lemon juice is great with chicken anyways. Um, one of the things I do often do is I stick a lemon in where the mm -hmm. neck cavity is because there's always sort of an opening here. Um, so actually I'm going to do that and it will complement the lemoniness of the uh, of the sumac. So I'm going to try not to touch this bird but I'm just going to stick this lemon quarter. I just quartered a lemon and I'm sticking it in the cavity where the neck was. Just because as it roasts, mm. the flavor from the lemon will, you know, sort of drip down into the chicken mm. while it's cooking. It's just sort of another extra yeah, layer of flavor. You can also stick some uh, fresh herb sprigs in there. Like you could have put your rosemary mm. in that cavity. You could put like a half an onion in that cavity. Mm. Maybe a quarter of an onion. It might not, a whole half might not fit. Um, you could put a blob of butter in that cavity mm. so it bastes the chicken while it's cooking. But because the chicken is sitting upright, there's so much opportunity for it to sort of self-based. Mm -hmm. um, so that's what I'd recommend to do in there. So how's our butter doing? Looks melted. Okay, so bring it over here. Okay. So now we need to season the butter so we can brush it with the yummy butter and not have to deal with any more seasoning. So let's put some sumac in there if you want to grab like a teaspoon. 
Doesn't have to be an actual teaspoon. Yeah. Oh, great. You're pinching it in there. Perfect. I applaud the use of hands. More? Keep going. So you've put about five healthy pinches of sumac in there. All right, giving that a stir. Beautiful. Now, we used salted butter, so we don't need to salt it. So uh, usually I recommend unsalted butter, so I can add the salt, but you have salted butter, so you've you've already taken care of that. Mm -hmm. Now, do you want to do some pepper? All right. So Laurel has a pepper mill that's about two feet tall. <laughs> the biggest pepper mill I've ever seen. That's good. Um, and that's my favorite grinding mechanism. It is a Peugeot. I think I've talked about that another. But it definitely makes excellent, perfectly ground pepper. So give that a stir okay. with your spoon. This and is fun to mix it up in yeah. here. So that's our seasoned butter. It's sumac, salt, pepper. And now you're going to start brushing the chicken with it. I would have not thought that you could keep it in the pan and do all this right here. This would never have crossed my mind. Oh, really? I would have like, transferred the butter to oh. a bowl and added... So this is nice. Interesting. Just, I would never even thought about it. And then that. you just paint right. it. Now you just basically there. paint your chicken with hopefully all of that. So that ended up being two tablespoons of butter for about a four pound chicken. And I think that's more than enough. So here, I'll this have you come like stand here. Crazy person's art project yeah. or something. You're like Picasso of yeah. chicken roasting. Yeah. So good. It's, it's a great way of applying the seasoning butter. You don't touch it. It's fun. And then you can mix up the seasonings all the time. So while you're doing that, I'm going to add one more ingredient to the bottom of this pan. As the chicken roasts, tons of drippings, the butter, the mm. chicken fat are all going to collect in the bottom uh. of the pan. And that's the basis of a good gravy. It's all those drippings, mm. which is fat plus juices. Um, but just to add another layer of flavor to our gravy and to maximize all that cooking time in the oven, I'm going to slice up an onion a whole onion, and I'm just gonna throw onion slices into the bottom okay. of the pan so they can roast along with the chicken so you just have another extra layer of flavor for your um, gravy. gravy. Okay. So the only thing I would remark on is that you wanna keep your slices pretty thick. If you make them too thin, they will oh. burn oh, before right. the chicken's done. Sure. So let's say I'm cutting these about one inch thick, this <clears> onion. <throat> Does it look like I've missed it? I lied. I'm cutting it half an inch thick. I don't know how to look. I ended up making five giant slices out of this, you know, very standard medium onion. So I'm just going to lay these onions in the bottom of the pan. And if there's any extra butter, mm -hmm. which there's not because you're doing such a good job of painting it. Sometimes I put the extra butter, I just brush it onto the onions. Okay, that's smart. Okay. Okay. Fantastic. That's phase one of roasted chicken. Amazing. That's all it took. Wow, that's incredible. <laughs> and it looks very impressive. I'd serve it like this. Right. In fact, we better take a picture of this. I usually like to oh, provide nice. pictures for viewing pleasure. Does it have to be professional or just? Uh, it does not have to be professional, but just enough. So why don't you take it from the front here? I'm going to take it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take your phone because my phone's in my okay. bag. Now I'm gonna take a oh, picture no. of you. No, Laurel, come I on. Fix my hair. <laughs> oh, That's nice thing about podcasts is you never get, you never have to worry about your, <laughs> your hair until I take a photo. Yeah. All right. So we're done here. Before we even Perfect. rolled the tape, I asked you to preheat your oven because I asked you a question I always ask when I go into home kitchen, which is about your oven. Oh yeah. 
I always say, how long does it take to preheat your oven? People often say, oh, it takes a half an hour, which I don't think it normally does, but you think it took a while. Well, that seemed faster to me that I'm usually doing something at 425 or something. That was pretty quick. Okay. I thought. So the oven is already preheated. And actually, another thing that I would love to note is that I asked you to put it onto convection, mm -hmm. bake, and you gave, me a, you gave me a sideways glance. Yes. Um, I swore that I tried it once and that it wasn't as tasty, my vegetable roasting, uh -huh. but maybe it was a yucky batch of vegetables because I know that, that you're yeah. supposed I, to. I know that convection ovens are not going to make bad vegetables. Okay. And yeah, but I definitely, for a chicken roasting, you want to use, if you own convection oven, mm -hmm. you should use it because okay. it helps circulate the air mm -hmm. during the cooking process. That means the skin will crisp all the way around, you won't have to rotate this mm -hmm. chicken. Um, but every oven is different, so we, we will do, this chicken will take about 50 minutes to an hour to cook. Okay. That's usually the, the range for a three and a half to four pound chicken, which is probably your average mm -hmm. chicken. Um, so usually I will set the timer for 30 minutes and I'll just rotate the pan 180 degrees. Okay. Because maybe your pan, maybe your oven has a hot spot in the back, mm -hmm. but this way at least gives it um, a full 360. Okay. All right, so why don't you put this thing in the oven? <laughs> so one thing I, I did, I adjusted your racks when I got here. I'm a little scared to do it. Okay, but I want you to do it. All right. Because if I do it, then when I'm not here, you won't have the confidence. So you have a handle, so it makes it easier because you hold on to the handle and the handle on one side and the handle on the other. Okay. You're putting it straight up. Okay. Awesome. Close your door. So I will note, when we preheated this oven, I looked inside Laurel's oven, and we took the top rack out. Because the chicken's sitting up, mm -hmm. it needs it's a lot of headroom. Yeah. Right. So we had to make sure that you were putting this pretty much towards the bottom of the oven, and you have to move racks. And you want to move racks before you preheat, because mm -hmm. nothing is worse than moving oh, a hot rack. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Awesome. So we're going to take a pause, since you aren't going to want to sit here and listen and to 50 like minutes. Baby just right. Yeah. So Laurel has been a real trooper here. There is a small baby, a terrifying baby, well, upstairs. Yeah. Terrifying in that any of us who have children uh, know what it is like to live in terror of your child waking up from their afternoon nap, yeah. <laughs> especially when you're recording a podcast. So this is a perfect time. We're going to pause the tape, let the chicken roast, let Starling come down, have her snack. Yeah. And then magically, when we come back, we're going to pull a gorgeous chicken out of the oven and we'll talk about how to carve it and make the gravy. Sounds good. Okay, so 50 minutes has elapsed, maybe 55 by the time we are doing this. Mm -hmm. um, so we're gonna take it out of the oven and we're gonna take its temperature. I'm gonna show you where to take its temperature. It's gonna be in the thickest part of the thigh and it has to be 165 degrees. Okay. All right, so we're gonna open up the oven. Now, I know you don't wanna do this, but I'm gonna make you do it. So with a pot holder on both hands, because again, when I'm okay. not here, <laughs> I'm terrified. Well, I once um, cooked in a skillet in my oven and saw the handle and grabbed it with a bare <gasps> yes. hand. Yes. So, so that happens all the time. And in fact, I just went to the ER um, two months ago because I did that. Don't turn on the oven. Oh. Don't turn off the oven because we haven't taken the temperature. So if we need to put it back in, we don't want to uh, have to reset it. Right. Okay. okay. So the first thing that I'm going to do, mm -hmm. because you and I have both had this experience, mm -hmm. we're going to put 
a, paint, uh, a, um, a dish towel or a pod holder right over the handle. Smart. So okay. you never have to worry about grabbing the handle because okay. now it's always going to be protected. But it is the first thing you do. Okay. Um, okay, so we're looking at our chicken. I'm going to snap a little picture of it just for posterity. Mm -hmm. Now its front it's is beautiful. not as golden as I wanted it to be, mm -hmm. however, that's because we're just getting to know your oven. So what we've learned is the back of your oven is much hotter than the front. Okay, so we've got our little chicken. He's all brown. Now it's a he. He's just turned into a he. I don't uh -huh. know why. <laughs> <laughs> so here's your thermometer. Okay. Long, pointy, instant read thermometer. And you're going to stick it into the part of the chicken that gets cooked last, which is the thigh. Okay. So we'll rotate this pan. Why is it going to stay? Just because it's in the back and it's uh -huh. just, it's dark meat. And like you want this? dark meat to cook a little bit longer than white meat. So the front is the white meat. So that's the leg you're poking yeah. it into. So stick it, this is the thigh back here. <laughs> and the only thing I want you to be careful of is that you don't hit bone. If you hit ah, bone, it gets an accurate bone. Okay. So stick Whoa, it in. All the way in. That's well, not all the way in. So actually you push part. it all the way in and it came out the leg. Okay. So make sure the whole probe is embedded in the chicken. And what's it read? 162. Nice. Okay. 163. Probably climbing. Be. And climbing. So 165 is our goal. If it's higher than that, okay. But that's what we would like to pull it out of the oven just so we don't overcook the chicken. So the longer you cook chicken, the drier it gets. Could you ever have an experience where the chicken is like super brown, but it's, you know, like it's raw inside and then Pretty rare, okay. unless you're like cooking it at 500 degrees. Okay. But if you're cooking it at a pretty moderate 375, you should be fine. the color on the outside should match the done temperature. But you okay. still have to check. Uh, check its temperature. Okay. Especially with chicken. You do not want to spend all this time and then carve it and then be like, whoops. Uh, okay. Although if you do, you can just stick it with, once you carve it into all the parts, you can then stick a tray of chicken into the oven to finish cooking it. Okay. So it's not all hope is lost. So we can turn off the oven. Okay. Because we have reached maximum temperature. Okay. Okay, now we need a pair of tongs. So is 162, 3, 4 is fine? To me, that's all no, 165. Because okay. it's going to keep cooking. Right. It's such a big bird, even though we took it out of the oven, it's not going to necessarily know, Okay. you know, that we did that. It's okay. still cooking in there. So a pair of tongs. Because we got to get the chicken out of the pan so we can make a gravy in our skillet. And you're going to pick up the chicken with the tongs, and we're going to transfer it to chicken? this bowl, the whole chicken. Now, we're going to put it into a bowl, or you could put it giant tongs. If you have giant tongs, yeah. Give us some giant tongs. Like, oh, like barbecue tongs. Yeah. No? <laughs> yeah. It feels well, like it's a little old. Like it's too chunky. No? You would know better than me, but I'm pretty sure it okay. can hold. So you're just okay. going to pick it up. You can use two hands. The whole, with yep. the and you're gonna put it with the, with okay. the Eiffel sense. Tower stand, okay. and we're just gonna set it in a bowl, Ooh. just so the juices that come out of it as it's resting collect into a bowl, ah. so we'll be able to keep it for the gravy. Eventually, we're gonna transfer this when it's not so hot to a cutting board to carve it. Okay. But I don't like to try to take it off its stand, mm -hmm. the chicken stand bowl. It's molten hot. Mm -hmm. Juices go everywhere. You burn yourself. Mm -hmm. I mean, the, the stand itself is pretty hot. So this chicken's just going to sit here and rest. And now we're going to make a gravy with this pan. So would you describe what you see in this pan here? Yeah. Can I just ask you, though, oh, does yeah. a chicken have to rest like other meats? Yes. Okay. Especially a chicken, because there's so much juice 
pooled okay. inside this chicken. So when you cut through the skin, juice is going to pour out. We'd rather more of that juice stays in the chicken. Okay. So letting it rest for a minimum of 10 minutes, probably more like 15 before carving it is a good idea. Oh, that's good because it, it rests while you make the gravy. Okay. And you carve it up and then you're ready to eat. So this looks like oily, buttery, oniony, brown bits, <laughs> fawn. Right. So there is a tremendous amount of fat in the bottom of this pan. Uh -huh. So all of, there's two different kinds of liquids in here. One is the liquid fat from uh -huh. the butter and also from the chicken. And then there's all the browned on bits. So the browned on bits are the juices and the proteins. That's delicious. You don't want too much fat because all of that fat will be in your gravy. Then it's just a very oily gravy. Mm -hmm. So we're going to pour off this fat. If you end up roasting a chicken, some, not every chicken has as much skin or extra fat coming out of it. Um, if there's about two tablespoons of fat, you're fine. You don't need to pour it out. Okay. But I'm looking at this. What do you think? Uh, it looks like a half a cup. Yeah, right? it's pretty generous. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So let's get a glass bowl or glass measuring cup or something that I can pour hot chicken fat into. Okay. Like this? My glass? Yeah. Because I don't really want to throw away chicken fat. I certainly don't oh, want to pour it down the do sink. It. You can use it for cooking, mm -hmm. roasting potatoes. You can toss it with chicken fat. So I'm pouring off some of that clear. You know what this is called? You know what chicken fat is called? No. Schmaltz. Wow. Yes. So there's your pure schmaltz. Wow. All right. Actually, I forgot to tell you to get an ingredient out. We need uh, flour. Okay. A gravy for chicken, you always wanted to have a little bit of a thickened quality to it. So if you add flour to the pan before you add your liquids, which is going to be wine and broth, Laurel's climbing up above the refrigerator to get her flour. flour. There we go. Yeah, all-purpose flour. So if you don't want to have a thick quality to it, you can skip the flour and then you make what's called a jus, uh -huh. J-U-S, which uh -huh. is just juice in French. Okay. So, but for chicken, you want it to sort of blanket it. Plus, if you make mashed potatoes with your chicken, gotta have it. Okay. All right, so we're going to turn on the stove underneath our pan because we want to now reheat the fat, the onions, and the uh, drippings. So you're going to sprinkle two tablespoons of flour over our drippings. Do you want an actual tablespoon or just yeah. spoon? A spoon. Okay. Less measuring is better. Okay. Like one. Yep. That's one. Sprinkle, sprinkle, sprinkle. And two. A little bit, yeah, shy of that. A little less. less, yeah. So, there. yeah, the amount of flour that you put in depends on how much gravy you want to have at the end. So okay. for every cup of gravy you want to have at the end, you need um, a tablespoon of flour. So okay. we're going to make two cups of gravy. Okay. Because I just feel like your sister's coming over and I'm going to stay and have some. <laughs> Um, so we just want to make sure Start you're stirring. So yeah, you're going to stir until like all the white flour disappears. Okay. And that's your indication that you have protected the flour from clumping. Because when you add the liquid, if you don't coat it with fat, mm -hmm. it will make little hard flour balls. Okay. So we're just mixing that flour with all the drippings in the pan. Is this the right temperature? Yeah, medium high. So do you see any more white flour? No. Great. All right, so that has all been absorbed by the by the fat. Now we need to add our liquid. So the liquid for gravy is wine and broth. First of all, I just want to remark here, I love this. You have a box of uh, organic, free-range chicken broth, 
And these boxes, once you open them up, they only really last for about seven or 10 days and then they start to smell funky. And you, so brilliantly, or maybe it was your babysitter, so yeah. brilliantly, wrote in Sharpie pen the date you opened it up. Mm -hmm. And so at, at, at the school we do this too because yeah. many of us are teaching out of that kitchen so I never know when the box got opened. But that is very smart. So you know that if 10 days have elapsed from this date that you've written on it, to at least smell it. You don't always have to yeah. throw it away, mm -hmm. but start sniffing it before you use okay. it. All right, so for a gravy, the ratio of broth to wine mm -hmm. or booze, mm -hmm. usually the booze is a wine. You don't want to do any hard alcohol, but it is nice to have the acid and kind of the, the you're not gonna have any alcohol left in it, but things like wine or sherry or marsala, these are sort of fortified wines, mm -hmm. or port is also good um, for making gravies. But if you do um, a chicken gravy, I tend to use a rosé or a white. And it's fine that this is just sizzling away over Yeah, because you're okay. just toasting the, I mean, yes, it I'm talking. Right. It will burn. Okay. But, um, so we're going to do one part, I'm sorry, we're going to do one part wine and three parts broth. Okay. So I'm going to do one and a half cups broth. Three there for one half cup oh. wine. So three parts. Oh, okay. So, but we're going to actually add the wine right to the pan. Uh -huh. So when you're adding wine and cooking, try to add it to the pan alone because the alcohol burns off more easily. Uh -huh. So you're going to dump about a half a cup of wine in there. I'm going to let you eyeball it. Now we're using rosé because that's what you like to drink and it's summer and you didn't want to open up a bottle of wine you didn't want to enjoy. Yeah. But the reason you do rosé or white and not red is that red makes a purple gravy and that doesn't aesthetically doesn't look so good with chicken, yeah, no. but it actually, the flavor would be fun. I'm adding a little more wine in here. All right, so I'm gonna turn this up to medium high. I need all this wine. Gone. It's not gonna evaporate, but the alcohol will burn off, so it's not so harsh tasting. Should I be um, scraping yes, the pan? Adding liquid to the pan is gonna scrape up all of the browned on bits of the bottom of the pan. It's called deglazing. It looks very gross right now. It's, it's, it's very thick, because all you have is mostly flour in there and a little bit of liquid. So when we add the broth to it, which we'll do now, because we do not want you to think that this is gross. <laughs> So you didn't Once have to wait for that wine to cook off. Well, I added it first. Okay. If you, if you didn't think it looked so gross, I might have kept cooking it. The idea is for you to get excited about this gravy and not roast out. <laughs> well, so we added the broth just to make it look more like gravy, but it's not going to thicken into gravy until the broth comes to a boil. Once it does, the flour swells and you make your gravy. And should it, is this and a you're, keep stirring thing? Right, so you are it? stirring it and that's fine. You can stop stirring once the bottom of the pan is clean. Once okay. you've scraped up all okay. of the brown on bits off the bottom, so now they're part of the gravy, then you can close. stop stirring it. And then you can just let it simmer. Okay. That looks wow, pretty good. That's how you make gravy? Yeah. So we haven't added any, well, you know what? You have a rosemary sprig here. I'm throwing this in. Okay. You can put a rosemary sprig, a bay leaf, thyme sprig. And that'll go with the sumac fine? Not perfectly, but as a standalone gravy, I kind of like rosemary in there. Um, so we're going to try it in there. So if you don't use sumac, I think, whatever, I think sumac and rosemary are going to be great. Too. Okay. Good flavors go well together. Mm. <laughs> okay. So we're just waiting for this to come back to a boil. When it comes to a boil, that's kind of it. You don't cook a gravy for a long time. Once it's thickened and floury, or the flour swells up in it, you're done. Okay. And then we can carve our chicken and then you can eat. So, but, be, but before we're done with the gravy, the last thing I want to do is season it. Okay. Because we did not 
add any. We didn't add any salt or pepper. Also, on that note, yep. is low-sodium chicken broth fine? Absolutely. In okay. fact, I would say, if you have a choice, buy unsalted chicken broth. Oh. Again, because mm -hmm. I just want to, I want to be in charge of the seasoning. Okay. So if you use salted butter and salted chicken broth, then somebody else has determined yeah. the end result okay. of your gravy. I like the control. Yeah. Well, that's because you know what you're doing. Yeah, what do you mean? Even if I know what I'm doing, you, the, the, this box of Imagine, you know, organic chicken broth, they don't know what they're doing. You know better than them because you're here in your kitchen and you okay. can taste it. Right. Um, so I would definitely, I'm, well, I'm jacking this up. You know what, I keep turning it the wrong direction. Uh, so I turned it down to medium low instead of medium high, so. What would you serve with this chicken if you were? I no. would serve it with something that gravy goes well with. Mashed potatoes, roasted potatoes, rice, something, because you're gonna have a lot of gravy and it's so good okay. that you don't, you need a side dish that will help you eat a lot of it. Okay. First things are worse, get like crusty bread okay. to dip in there. But mashed potatoes are pretty classic for that reason, mm -hmm. because it goes so good with, with gravy. So, and then how long does this cook? Just until I needed to come to a boil. So okay. I unfortunately I turned it down while we were yeah. talking instead of turning it up. Um, spoons. So we need some spoons for tasting. So okay. once it starts bubbling, we can shut it off. Okay. All right. Oh, you have gold silverware. Yeah. Is that called goldware? I think so. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I feel so regal. <laughs> Ooh, no. Definitely need some salt and uh, I don't know. need a little plain with maybe a little bit of butter. You know what? I may need to add some of this fat back. Maybe we took too much mm. of the fat back. Alright, so while that is coming to a simmer, I think we're gonna work on our chicken. Okay. And you're gonna wait to fix this until your chicken's carved, or yeah. is it because you want the chicken to get well, carved now? There's gonna be juices coming out of the chicken while we carve it, and that will uh, go back into the gravy, and so that may okay. add the flavor I'm looking for. Okay. Okay, so now the chicken is not as fiery hot. I'm gonna tip it out of the bowl so it's lying on its back. It still has the cage stuck up its uh -huh. pipic, which I think is tail. <laughs> <laughs> That's what my dad used to call it. So I just, with tongs, I'm pulling the uh, Eiffel Tower out. And I just want to reiterate that when you're carving a chicken, it has to be on a cutting board that has a well. So okay. you see how you have a well here? Yes. And although your well is already filling up. Yeah, it looks, um, it's because my kitchen's so crooked. It, I could totally see that your kitchen is crooked because yes. all the juices are pouring to the yeah. <laughs> bottom right Should corner. Just a, a Actually, we're going to put something right under this corner to oh, level smart. this. Yeah. Uh, or the here, I'm gonna put this pot holder under here. Okay. So Laurel's house is from what era? Uh, 1870. Yeah, that's the crooked. It's incredible. The crooked era. Yeah. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna rinse this knife. All right, we can turn our gravy off. It's okay. boiling. The flour has thickened it. We'll let it sit and then we'll reseason okay. it. Okay. Do I need to take it off the burner or just? No, no, just let it sit there. With the gas burner, when you turn off the gas, it's essentially off because there's no heat underneath uh -huh. it anymore. Okay, so let's get a platter or a plate so when we cut the chicken up into its parts, we have a place to put it. Okay, let's see here. It doesn't have to be a serving platter, it can just be like a cookie sheet, like that cookie sheet okay, right there. Here. So this is a quarter sheet pan, perfect. Mm -hmm. Okay, so you got this bird. This is probably the most intimidating part of this, is cutting this down into serving sizes, mm -hmm. but it's actually not too difficult. So the first part that you take off are the legs, they're the easiest. 
So the legs are attached to the body of the chicken just by one joint right at the hip, at the hip or the thigh. So all of this that looks like it's attached, this is just skin attaching it. So you mm. cut through the skin between the breast and the leg just to sort of mm -hmm. let you pop it back. So you're mm. gonna you're gonna bend it back until it pops. There we go. Pops out of the socket okay. on the back here. And then you're just gonna take your knife and see where the socket is yep. here. You're just gonna put it to the other side of the socket. Don't try to cut through that. And then it very easily comes off. Okay. All right. And now you want to, to serve it, you can keep the leg and the thigh attached. But if you have smaller eaters, you want to detach the thigh and the uh -huh. leg. So you have to cut them off. But you, in order to cut through, you can't cut through bone. Mm -hmm. So it will take time to understand where the, where mm -hmm. the joint is. But I know the joint is right about here. And that's because I can cut through it. So if you try to cut through something and it doesn't go, you haven't found the joint because okay. you can't cut through the bone without like a cleaver. And could you rip those apart? Yeah, you, you could. Served that to you someone could if you're feeling yeah, yeah. Okay. more caveman like. Yeah, you can yeah. totally do that. So now we're gonna do that on the other side. Do you want to try this? Um, <laughs> you're looking a little reticent. <laughs> I'm not gonna force you to do it. <laughs> I should I should know if I'm gonna make this. Right. All right. Well, so I popped out the joint for you. So I'm gonna hand the knife over to you. Okay. I know. Laurel, right. you are a brave woman. Come on. I'm gonna and then you. you're going to scoot your hand up on the knife. Uh huh. And you're gonna cut right to the outside of that bone. Oh boy. Yeah. Oh geez. <laughs> I think you have to do it. <laughs> it is a really I don't want to feel that crunch. You don't want to feel the joint popping. Yeah, I don't want to feel. You know what? I totally respect that. I'm also having my own hip joint problem at the moment, so it's like <laughs> a little too close to home right now. All right, so now I'm separating the leg and the thigh. Oh, it looks beautiful. It does, but it's true. Well, all right. Do you think that you could get your husband to do this part? Yes. I feel like I in the very heteronormative marriage, the woman roasts the chicken yeah, and the man and carves it. it. So <laughs> if, if we need to go down that route, yeah. I think it's perfectly acceptable. <laughs> okay, so now we're going to take the wings off. And okay. same thing, you have to find the joint where the wing is attached to the breast. Okay. And it will take time to understand where that is, but you basically go in with your knife. Oh, I can't even find it. Wow, your cuts are so pretty. If I just wanted to rip these parts off, would that be acceptable or not really? It's acceptable, but you're not going to want to eat this. First of all, oh. you're not going to want to mangle this chicken. If okay. you're squeamish about cutting through it, imagine what it's like to tear apart a yeah. hot roasted chicken. Okay, okay. So I think that getting Ricky in on this. Okay. Um, I'm sorry, he's outside with Sterling entertaining yeah. her and teaching my son magic tricks, so <laughs> he's not available. <laughs> um, but, you know... It is part of roasting a chicken, so somebody in this family is going to have to learn yeah, how to carve okay. it. Yeah, okay. All right. Okay. So now we're just left with the breast. We have two halves of the breast. This is the easier, you don't have to do any joint work here. There's The, the yeah. breast is not attached to the bone by a joint, uh -huh. whereas the wings, thighs, and legs are. Uh -huh. So now this we're the easier. This looks really delicious, yeah. I just have to say. Okay, good. Um, so I'm not, it's not all lost. So you're no, going to take your knife and you're going to put it right you know, vertically up and down the, mm -hmm. the breast. Cause the breast is, when people say chicken breast, it's actually half of a breast. Right. Yeah. So there's two breasts on a chicken. Mm -hmm. So we're putting the knife right between the two of them and cutting down. Mm -hmm. And now we have to basically cut the breast off the breastbone. Mm -hmm. So the breastbone is sort of rounded. It's like a rib cage, mm -hmm. obviously. So instead of cutting straight down, you're gonna sort of 
cut your knife along the rib cage and cut it off of the bone. Okay. So that it very easily pops off. There's no bones to deal with. So yeah. you have this lovely wow, little that's lobe. Beautiful. Yeah, it's a beautiful chicken breast. And if you want to serve a whole chicken breast, that's fine. But I usually cut it crosswise into slices. Yeah. It makes it more tender for eating, and also then more people can have white meat. Uh huh. And it just looks appetizing. It looks more artful. Yeah, it does. Right. It looks really good. Oh, good. Yeah, this is actually like. Like so I'm glad we're doing this because I know that there were moments during this uh, this roasting of a chicken where you look like you were about to leave. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but the more you do it, the more you can become acclimated it's to it. It's also like it genuinely is kind of a beautiful experience to like see what's going on behind uh -huh. this animal that you've been eating for your entire life. Right. And never touching or having anything to do with, you know? Right. I mean, it's, it's really, more of a, a you're, you're honoring the chicken yeah. by being this involved. Yeah. And also it's rewarding you because this is the best kind of chicken to eat. There's no way to enjoy a chicken that's more delicious than a simple roasted chicken. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Right. So that is so all carved up. Now, obviously there's a lot of meat left on this carcass. Uh -huh. So when it cools, this is where I stand over the chicken, shred it and just eat it. Uh -huh. Or you can just shred it off the uh, carcass into a piece of you know, mm -hmm. to a bowl and save that for later. But don't try to take every piece off for serving. For serving let's yeah, let's yeah. keep it at this. And um, would you then use that to like make yourself a stock? Or yes. Something? So if okay. you don't want to deal with taking all the pieces off, just put this in a Ziploc bag and throw it in your freezer. Mm -hmm. And next time somebody's sick, mm -hmm. you throw it in a pot with some onions and carrots and you make chicken soup. Wow. Chicken broth. That's amazing. All right. So we're going to pause for a second. We're going to um, just get organized and then we're going to finish our gravy. We fine-tune the sauce. You want to tell everybody what we added to this? It takes a while to season a gravy, and so I didn't want you to have to listen to us season <laughs> for five minutes. Uh, so there was butter, first of all. We had a little bit of butter. And I think I poured off too much of the chicken fat in the uh -huh. beginning. I wanted more fat in here. Okay, and then you added the drippings from the... Right, when we carved it, all the, the drippings that came out as it was resting, both on the, the cutting board and on the platter where we put the chicken parts. Mm -hmm. Both of them had drippings come off. So we poured that back in. And then salt and pepper. Yep. Well, that was it. Yeah. No more broth or anything. No, we didn't need any extra broth. Mm -hmm. All right, so we've got a nice rich gravy and we've got some chicken. So let's get a plate. I want you to taste it on air and tell everybody mm -hmm. what you think. So do you like white meat or dark meat? Mostly light. Okay. I'll give me two pieces here for your first test. Let's give you some gravy. Mm. I'm giving you whole onions with your gravy. Truly, it tastes different than chicken that you don't make yourself. What's it taste like? Fresh and chickeny. <laughs> and <laughs> come on, we gotta come with some. A little bit herby. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it tastes like warm and. So this you can't, I know you said you, you get, you get like a whole chicken from fresh direct. Yeah, which is, yeah. It's not the same experience. No. It doesn't make your house slightly. smell like this. Yeah, the house smells amazing. I haven't even had the, uh, with the gravy yet. Okay. Here I go. With your goldware. Yeah. I'm, like, I'm going to get some goldware. Mmm. Mmm, mmm, mmm. <laughs> All right. It well, really is delicious. I am so glad that you wanted to make this dish because yeah. I think it's, I hope that people listening to this can get a better feel for making a roast chicken. I know it was it was tough for you. Tough going there. 
pulling it out of the oven and then carving it. But each time you do it, it will only get easier. Yeah, so and your first run. It looks gorgeous all cut properly. Right. And your family is going to be pretty thrilled when we finally let them into the kitchen. Exactly. Right. <laughs> so, Thank Laurel, you so much for welcome. this opportunity. Thanks really. for having me. Thank you for listening to Kitchen Radio. If you're interested in today's recipe, you can find that and more at homecookingny.com. Just click on the podcast link. There you can ask me any of your culinary questions or even pitch yourself as a future guest. And when you find yourself in New York City, please join us for a cooking class at Home Cooking New York, our cooking school in downtown Manhattan. Until next time, toodaloo!